0: Coming up next on the Health Hustle. I felt helpless and lost because you know I built this, I, I built this company, and it was it's my baby. Like I don't have kids, I'm not married. Uh, I have outcomes therapy, and I've got the clinicians that support us. You know, and a dog, and a dog, <laughs> and Mason. Yeah, <laughs> I can't forget about him. Oh, what kind of dad am I? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah. Stopped taking a salary and kind of threw my hands up. I'm telling you, I didn't go to sleep with a dry eye for months. Really? Wow. Yeah, like it, it, it hit hard. Like I, I've spiraled into this depression and uh, helplessness. I gave my COO 20% of Outcomes Therapy Services and said, hey, I'm going to go learn how to sail and buy a sailboat. And that's going to be me the way that I figured out my
1: my stuff Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Health Hustle of Austin, Texas. On this show, we distilled down the big ideas from your fellow health and fitness entrepreneurs in the Austin, Texas area about how they built their business and the lessons learned along the way. I'm your host, Corey Hibben. On this episode, I get a chance to sit down with Corey Peterson of Outcomes Therapy. What an amazing guy and an incredible story about how sometimes you just need to completely disconnect so that you can come back to society and reconnect deeper than ever before. We get into where the dream of starting his own practice came from in the first place, breaking his hip in the military, his hiatus into the ocean with a sailboat about five himself, bro talk about motorcycles, crashing a one-wheeler, what sailboating can teach us about business, grounding yourself, solving real-world problems, and so much more. If you haven't already, do us a huge favor and please subscribe and write us a review. This show is about helping health and fitness professionals to build a business that fits your lifestyle by giving us a review. It helps other people find the show and join us on the journey. Also, if you're looking for tips about designing your website and marketing your health business, sign up for my Three Tips Tuesday newsletter at Corey.com Without further ado, mm, let's go. Corey, welcome to the show. How are you doing, man? Pretty good, Corey. Yeah, How are you doing? Best name ever. Right?
0: I know, I know. You've got the E for excellence, though, in your name. So
1: I've never said it like that. I'm stealing that. You can, I'll give it to you. You don't even have to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump right into it. So what was the motivation behind starting Outcomes Therapy? What was the dream for you?
0: So um, just the journey after graduating PT school, I was kind of an ortho guy. And I brought uh, my orthopedic skills to home health after getting burned out from kind of a patient mill of an ortho clinic, seeing 20 patients a day. Uh, Home health was kind of like a new realm for me, but exciting all the same because I got to spend like a full hour with each patient, seeing maybe six or seven patients a day. So bringing my ortho skills, you could really kind of get to relate, build a solid relationship instead of actually spending only like 15 minutes with the patient and then passing them to a tech. Uh, so there was a lot of allure there and, you know, I'd take my needles with me. I'd take my treatment table with me and still do, you know, joint mobilizations and manipulation with these, this geriatric population that normally you wouldn't see in home health. In fact, I got a call once from, uh, my executive director, and she was like, Hey, I saw in one of your treatment notes that you're doing dry needling. What is that? <laughs> so I had to explain that to her. And um, she's like, I'm going to have to look into if this is legal to do with. You. I was like, Hey, babe, it's okay. This is definitely well within our scope of practice. And, you know, pulled up the practice act and all that kind of stuff. But it's just taboo for them, which understandably, you know, Most of their, their PTs were going in and doing like standing leg lifts by the sink and, uh, sit to stands and just walking them a hundred feet back and forth through the hall and then calling it a day out Mm. in maybe 25 or 30 minutes. And, um, that right there is my motivation is the lackluster quality of care that their patients were getting. And I didn't even realize that that was a thing. Like, how how are these people making the most money in the entire industry of physical therapy and getting away with doing mini squats by your kitchen sink and out the door? Like, where's the skill? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, Outcomes, the name Outcomes, that was more of a promise to the agencies that we'd served because we started out kind of... I did a cash-based clinic and then moved from the cash-based clinic to just the contract style. I had a, I had a business partner to start up for a short while prior. And, um, we went our separate ways. Um, I bought them out of our major contract. And then of course I was seeing all the people in the clinic for the cash base. So seeing people in the clinic in between patients, I'd go see a patient in their home. And then of course doing all of the, um, The marketing and learning the marketing, the design work for, you know, all of the different creating systems. I mean, I was in the clinic probably till around 10 or 11 at night, just about every night, just pumping stuff out. there's
1: two things I want to pull from that story The first one is is that you went into an industry that was obviously just going through the motions They were like, yep, we're just gonna do some leg lifts We're just gonna do some sit-to-stands some very basic things and you got into it with fresh eyes and you went like, okay This is ridiculous. There's got to be a better way to do that And then on top of that you had the initiative to honestly want to go out and do it Do you have you always been that way? Have you always just like been a tenacious person or where do you think that comes from?
0: Yeah, so my Historically, I guess I've probably been a little bit of an overachiever whenever it comes to not holding back. So examples throughout my grammar school years, you know, good grades. And then after high school, because I did kind of grow up from a a family that did not really have a whole lot of money. I remember I I was performing landscape, this landscaping job. Prior, right after I graduated from high school, I, I was doing all this landscaping and I just had enough and went straight to the Marine Corps recruiter's office because I was like, all right, what's the most elite branch out there? And in my mind, it's like Marines. All right, hoorah, let's let's go. You know, <laughs> I remember coming home and I just signed the contract and told my mom about it and she was just bald crying, you know, thinking that, I mean, it was this was 2004, mm-hmm. so obviously, stuff was happening in the middle east and action was probably inevitable but um ultimately it worked out to where i ended up breaking my hip uh, about three months in and went home awaiting orders for the next seven months and then wait pause how did you break your hip so it started as a stress fracture apparently and uh, i ignored my body i ignored the pain and just kept going and then finally after a 45 mile hike I couldn't walk the next day and had to be transported to medical. And, uh, there they did a bone scan. And I remember, I remember that day vividly because, um, I'm sitting there with the nurse and the doctor in this big medical room on the table. They tell me what's going on. Okay. You're getting surgery tomorrow. So I was like, well, I should probably call my parents. And I saw a phone, I get up and I'm walking towards the phone, and they're like, What the hell are you doing? <laughs> you literally can completely break your hip and you're gonna have to have a full hip replacement if that happens. Like it's that bad. You're going to surgery tomorrow because of it. So <laughs> I was were you, like, did Oh you on pain pills? Okay. Like, did you just not didn't even feel it? I had just been dealing with that pain for literally probably two months. And
1: just kept going. Yeah. Listen to your body. Yeah. <laughs> <There's>
0: the <laughs> That's the take home.
1: Well, you're you are definitely were probably at an age, too, where I feel like you're, what, in your 18, 19, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, at that age, though, I mean, you're young and dumb and reckless and you'll do anything. So, I mean, yeah. to your testament, like, yeah, you're a dumb teenager. So... <laughs> it's kind of funny because, you know, I, I come into physical therapy
0: and everyone's everyone asks me, hey, did did you, like decide on physical therapy because of the Marine Corps or your injury from the Marines or what? And I was like, no, like, honestly, I had no idea what physical therapy was because the PT that I got at the hospital was a therapist coming up to the barracks where, you know, my recovery was happening and he came with two with crutches and he was like, Hey, can you walk with these? I was like, I think so. All right, show me. I went 10 feet there and back. He's like, yeah, you look good to go. Here's some home exercises. If you want them, see you later out the door. And I was like, all right, yeah, cool. I got this. And it was on the third
1: floor. (laughs) So that was your introduction. to PT. That was my introduction to PT. Well, clearly you do it a lot better than that guy did it now today. So
0: yeah, I've heard, I've heard stories about military, um, and, and, and veteran like PTs. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know firsthand because I've not actually
1: had real physical therapy, but who knows what his skill base was. So most people don't know this about me, but when I first got out of OT school, there was actually a period of time where I fully considered going into the military as an OT. And as an OT in the military, you're almost exclusively like a hand therapist. We literally, like in, in the military, I don't think OTs get to touch anything like past the elbow from what I understand. And, but I'm really glad that I didn't, I'll just say that much is like, it sounds like it didn't seem like a great place to work as a, you know, it's, it's so funny
0: that you say that because the majority of, especially like any applicants that are coming for our um, openings that are outpatient OTs, they're pretty much exclusively hand therapists. Yeah. But I think what boggled my mind is like going into home health, even you cut the body in half in home health. You know, as a PT in PT school, we're learning the entire, you know, neck, shoulder, elbow, wrist, hand, finger, everything, you know, uh, manual therapy on each, each joint. And we had a really robust manual therapy program. in in my, in my school, I went to, I went into, um, the home health world and you, they literally cut the body in half. They're like, okay, this person has a shoulder issue, so we're going to put OT on that. And I'm like, well. I mean, I'm pretty damn good with shoulders. <laughs> no, no, that's OT's realm. Like, okay, we are we weren't allowed in the bathroom. I mean, cause that's OT. That's OT world is the bathroom. Isn't that so silly? It is. It's kind of interesting though.
1: As somebody that's like entrepreneurial spirit as yourself, I got to imagine getting into a scenario like that, like that and you're probably immediately like, this doesn't make sense. It's like, why are we just cutting bodies in half even though I have this other skill set that's very useful and could be helpful in the situation. So that's probably gotta be another one of those moments where you're like, what the hell is this? This is ridiculous. It, it
0: was because I'd be sitting there treating a patient for balance or whatever, and their shoulder would be their main complaint. And I'm, I'm interviewing the patient like, so tell me what kind of treatment is your OT doing with your shoulder? It's like, oh, she's just lifting it and, you know, just doing passive range of motion stuff. And I'm just, my gears are turning and I'm like, oh man, I'd have I'd have her, you know, isolating this lower trap while she's doing this internal rotation because there's obviously a very tight posterior capsule in that shoulder joint. So maybe even getting some manual therapy and stretching that thing out, joint mobility, you know. So I, my gears would turn, I'm like, but I'd have to be like... Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, I, sounds right.
1: <laughs> keep doing more of that. that All seems right. Can good. you stand on that one foot again for me? All to right. <laughs> uh, throttle it, throttle it back a little bit. Oh, uh, I get that. So let's get back to more the business side of things. So you've had some challenges over the past, geez, three years now, probably. Can we get into that a little bit? I know we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but can you share that story about like some of the things you've had to kind of go through?
0: Yeah. Nobody is, I think. Well, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are immune to you know the pandemic side effects, especially on a business level. There are so many people that have suffered, so many businesses that have closed. So you know, honestly, very very grateful that we still have our doors open and we never closed them. But we were doing really really well. Uh, of course, I had a, a non compete with my previous partner for outpatient, and that was lifted uh, at the beginning of 2019. So. When that was lifted, we were able to start credentialing. We started a whole new company, uh, me and my COO, called Outcomes Therapy Ops, which is outpatient services. We have Outcomes Therapy Services, which is geared towards more like the home health contract space and really trying to improve the quality of that. So we have gained a lot of preferred providerships through agencies because they saw the quality shine through. And then Outcomes Therapy Ops, of course, it took some time to kind of make our niche or, or kind of fit into the therapy world or become a name in outpatient therapy. Uh, but it all started with credentialing with insurances. So we couldn't really do anything until we got our EMR set up and our systems in place and kind of understood the, the regulations around outpatient therapy. And I'm very, very glad that we did it when we did. And the reason why we, started credentialing is because there was a final rule coming in September of 2019 that was changing the landscape and the way that therapy was going to be performed on the home health side in 2020, like January one, 2020 PDGM, which stands for patient driven grouping model, which is, which it replaced basically the diagnostic related grouping. That was previously the form of reimbursement by Medicare. In the f- previous form, this is really kind of boring, I'm sure, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Basically, companies and agencies were incentivized for adding more therapy onto the case. In the new grouping model, then it was no longer incentivized. It's like, here's your money. If you're if you're choosing to use therapy, then good luck. It's coming out of the. It's coming out of this. You know, whatever we're we're going to reimburse you. Hmm. So that was probably a response from a lot of fraud and a lot of abuse and stuff like that with, you know, therapy visits and different companies. Uh, so I understand the the mindset behind it, but it did, it did impact us in a very big way. I'd say we lost probably about 50% of our revenue within the first couple months of 2020. This led to, and we had over, we had about 115 contractors and employees at that time. And you know, there's nothing harder as a business owner than having to come into the face of of your employees and and just realize, hey, we're working on strategies here. I've always hired people and and the dialogue that I'd use when hiring people is, you don't work for me, I work for you. Like, I'm here to make sure that you meet your financial marks and flourish as a, a clinician and so on and so forth, right? Ultimately, it was trying to be a safe haven for people that have had crappy bosses in the therapy world Hmm. and it worked for quite some time. But then, um, you know, caseloads started dwindling and there was little that we could do. And, And really the entire, our strategy was independent living facilities, assisted living facilities, putting on referral generating events, in terms of like putting on workshops where we can identify people that would benefit from therapy because they have back pain or sciatica or shoulder or knee pain or poor balance and screen their balance and say hey listen you're at a high risk for falls let's go ahead and intervene now so that you're not in the hospital later and you know once COVID hit that probably not that knocked out all of that so we lost 50 percent of our business from a reimbursement structure change and then we lost probably another 25% from from that, from COVID. Did you have to let people go? Um, we didn't let people go. All of the employees that we had. So from legal advice prior to 2020, we did roll a lot of people that were just kind of seeing one-off patients into a contractor status from a W2PRN type of situation. So that did help. But all of the people that... We employed as a w two employee stayed with us. I stopped taking a salary, the entire T of 2020 from, I guess it was April, probably around April, mid April of 2020 to December of 2020, I didn't take a salary and, uh, we did qualify for the payroll protection program, which saved our butts. And, you know, I felt helpless and lost. Because, you know, I built this, I, I built this company and it was, it's my baby. Like, I don't have kids. I'm not married. Uh, I have outcomes therapy and I've got the clinicians that support us, you know. And a dog. And a dog. And Mason. Yeah. <laughs> I can't forget about him. Uh, what kind of dad am I? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, stopped taking a salary and kind of threw my hands up. I'm telling you, I didn't go to sleep with a dry eye for months. Really? Wow. Yeah. It it hit hard. Like I've spiraled into this depression and uh, helplessness. I gave my COO 20% of outcomes therapy services and said, Hey, I'm going to go learn how to sail and buy a sailboat. And that's going to be me the way that I figured out my, my stuff, you know? So I did that. I uh, started renting out this house. I bought an Airstream trailer and moved into a trailer park and then yeah it was a trailer resort though they had a, a pool and a hot tub it was worth it
1: okay totally We <laughs> got Wi-Fi it's fine Wi-Fi yeah. uh, Netflix it's cool.
0: 41 foot sailboat landed in Daytona and sailed around Florida Daytona Beach? Daytona Beach. That's where I bought it out of, and me and another guy that didn't uh, have—I had a week of sailing courses. All right, so I was a freaking expert. Yeah, you're pro. Got it. Yeah, yeah.
1: I watched a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, locked in. Talk about a terrible activity to just like wing it in because you could tip a sailboat very easily. No. Come on.
0: No. Really? Yeah. You've got like a you've got a keel on the bottom of this thing that weighs like 20,000 pounds.
1: I guess it depends on well,
0: the 5,000-pound keel probably, but the sailboat itself weighs like tw- Yeah, so I mean, you could literally like tilt the sailboat almost upside down and it'll come back up. Kind of like a cork. Okay. When you're going fishing.
1: Interesting, because I back in Minnesota, Lake Calhoun. If anyone's familiar with it, they do sailboat lessons, and I remember always seeing them out on the lake. Basically, like they would do this exercise where they would run to one side of the sailboat and then the other side of the sailboat, and like rock it back and forth. And I don't know if they did that just to maybe show that you can't tip it, or if they're just showing you how to like control the sailboat. I didn't really understand. You're thinking you're thinking of the races, right?
0: Yeah, sailboat. Okay, so sailboat racing. If you're going upwind. And then you're on a you're on a keel like this. You're healing is what it's called. You're healing. And to basically get the most speed out of the sailboat, you have what they call rail meat, which are people on one side, <laughs> hanging their feet off on the side that's up, like trying to add some weight so uh, that it can like not. So you're trying to catch to, all the wind. You're, you're trying to catch all the wind and operate on as mu- as little surface area of water as you
1: can. That sounds super fun, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. It, yeah. It's, it is kind of fun. And then whenever you they tack, they're running to the other side right. and they're rail meat for that side yeah it's pretty real meets rail meets that's an
1: expression i've never heard or want to be a part of i know wow i feel you like might that. you might actually don't knock it till you try <laughs> you might have a lot of fun um okay total tangent so you took a sailboat to the daytona beach which i was actually just recently there for my birthday but and i'm sorry meets. yeah I, seriously though <laughs> no you're 100 right i mean it was uh, fine I, I mean there was nobody there but it was clearly a party town that people show up for two months of the year and rage their face off and then never come back kind of deal but
0: reminds me of an 80s porno for some reason
1: i don't oh, know yeah. why yeah i was shocked on how hard the sand was on the beach and then i found out recently too that apparently that's like where they used to race cars which was kind of like the birthplace of nascars they used to race cars on the beach because the sand was so hard i had no idea yeah i wow. didn't either until i got there which is why they have uh know. daytona speedway Because they used to race cars there, they built the track, whatever. But, anyways,
0: you were in Daytona Beach. Isn't it funny, though? Like, how you walk out onto the beach and it has to educate you. World famous Daytona Beach. Right. I don't know how world famous it is, but I know the racetrack probably is, but the beach, mm, there's better ones.
1: (laughs) That's my favorite. That's actually one of my favorite jokes between my roommate and I is like, you'll go to any restaurant or coffee shop and they're like, best coffee in the world best wings anywhere in the united states it's like how how how's everybody the best at everything no matter where you go (laughs) who's rating this yeah (laughs) (laughs) mom said (laughs) yeah there's no rating system that's it yeah okay all right daytona beach where do we go from there
0: all right so funny thing is i had a captain lined up from san diego to help me bring this boat around florida so if y'all are familiar with geography. Daytona Beach is on the east side of Florida, kind of like, you know, halfway up, I'd say, right? Yep. Halfway north. And so we needed to go around the little wing of Florida and then, tam- you know, kind of cut, cut across from Tampa pretty much across the Gulf. Yep. Of course, we had a, a lot of different plans, you know, dry Tortugas and then go across the Gulf or whatever. But within the first, so landed with this guy that's never been on a but before. He was a, another Marine. Super great guy named Daryl. Great friend of mine. And the best first mate you could, because he learned quick. And of course, he had to learn on the fly. So I had a captain from California that was gonna be joining us on this whole venture uh, around Florida and going across the Gulf. Whenever we landed in Daytona, I checked my phone, and I landed to a bunch of text messages from him saying hey not gonna make it like yeah no no you're supposed to be here today uh he had a medical issue or whatever so damn so uh, i look at daryl i was like well guess it's just us (laughs) the hardest part of sailing is motoring man because you're if you think about it you've got a i've got a 41 foot boat and i've got a prop that's about nine inches and you have no bow thruster. So you're you're literally under the the wind can push your bow one way or the other. And there's no coming back from it. Like you cannot cut hard enough to depending on the wind speeds and, sure. and directions. So the motoring is, I think, what takes the most getting used to. And there's the most amount of skill that comes into play whenever you're motoring around in the sailboat.
1: Anyway. Hold on. I'm completely naive to what motoring means for anybody that doesn't. Motoring. Yeah. I don't know. You can sing if you want. It's, it's, it's up using
0: the engine to get where you need to go. So it's literally
1: just using a motor to propel forward.
0: Yeah. So basically I've got a big diesel motor inside the sailboat that's spinning, you know, uh, one prop that's about this big and you've got a rudder right behind that prop. Okay. So the rudder steers it, but if you're cut, you know, and you're trying to make a turn, you've got to take it into account the direction that the wind is blowing and how fast that wind is blowing because it can literally take the bow of your boat. So all the pressure is up on the bow and you're only being steered by that rudder, it can make it just crab if you're mm. trying to to cut it a certain direction.
1: Was your captain teaching you all this? The earth was teaching me. <laughs>
0: the the world yeah 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 i had to learn that crap on the fly man um i nearly took out some other sailboats getting out of the marina oh yeah yeah the first time i motored it it's
1: kind of so like first time i ever rode a motorcycle i love my motorcycle now but first time i ever rode it yeah yeah get the get the f out of my way i'll fucking kill somebody yeah yeah
0: yeah i just sold mine in 2020 actually too
1: Bummer, dude. Yeah, I got rid of all my stuff. We could have rode. I you know. sold you, and got a sailboat. What do you have? Yeah, I know. It's just a sport bike. It's a Honda CBR. Oh, okay. I had but. a Ducati. Oh, nice. Yeah. That oh. was pretty sweet. Yeah. It was a um, Ducati Evo 848.
0: Okay. So it was, yeah. It's got some pickup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was fun. I started, I decided to sell that because I, it was pandemic and I was the only vehicle, aside from one other car, I was the only person on Mopac. And I'm just cruising down and that one car tried to run me off the road. So I got home and I was like, purpose, I'm, d- like I'm on done purpose? on purpose. Yeah.
1: Just cause you're on a motorcycle. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's terrifying. I guess, I guess
0: a guy with a black motorcycle, like slept with this guy's wife. I don't know, but it was, it was terrifying and it was enough for me to say, you know, I'm,
1: I'm good. The first time I ever tried to learn to ride a motorcycle, it was my dad's Harley Davidson ultra glide. I think I believe it was called. If you know anything about motorcycles, it's a very big, powerful bike. Yeah. It has a lot of power and it weighs like a thousand pounds. Yep. I'm not a big guy. Yeah. That's a really big bike. Yeah. Uh, long story short, I basically dumped it and crashed it. First time I ever tried to ride a bike. Literally scared me to the point of like PTSD. First time I ever rode it. I don't doubt that. I mean, just just kick getting
0: it off its kickstand, like having to balance it. I, mean, I was
1: so naive in
0: that moment i was like
1: yeah like how hard can this be wrong
0: hard dead yeah. wrong yeah you Not, gotta you gotta feel the balance of it i mean that's i think you gotta spend probably 15 20 minutes just <laughs> oh yeah playing with it it's well like even that. just
1: like playing with the clutch with that much yeah, power that's true like learning the friction zone like if anybody knows anything about motorcycles but like just learning that on a on a bike that powerful yeah had no idea what i was doing it was like zero to 30 in like a second.
0: Well, I'm glad you're still with us, man.
1: Me too. Yeah, I, Honestly, like yeah. it's it scared me pretty bad to the point where like, that's why I decided actually to take a motorcycle beginner course after I did this and realized I could have killed myself. Did you do
0: the Rider's Edge course? With yeah. Harley? I did that back like when I
1: was, I don't know, 17 years old. 100% worth it. Oh my God, man. I learned so much. Yeah. And they, they always talk about too, they have like intermediate and advanced versions where you do more like technical maneuvers, which I've always wanted to do, but... I always thought it'd be cool to like take one of those classes over
0: at Coda, mm-hmm. you know, like the MotoGP ones yep. and just kind of learn like cornering, like really seriously biting in and getting rid of your chicken strips.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those two, like you suit up and you're like, you're geared up to the point where like falling isn't as like, you're going to kill yourself. Yeah. Like it's As not long g- as you don't. You know, leave an arm behind, right? Yeah, or get it under the bike. Exactly. But generally speaking, you're going to be okay for the most part. But yeah,
0: it'll protect you from road rash, basically. I
1: yeah. I always I always lose my mind when I see people on mopeds like not like sandals like I don't know what it is about mopeds and sandals and not a helmet. You're still going like thirty or forty miles an hour, dude. You're still up against big steel vehicles that will tear you up. Yes. Yeah it blows my mind that there's this mentality around it's just a moped like i'll be fine i'm gonna put my sandals on and cruise it it's like no
0: (laughs) even this even the scooters man yeah around austin like oh my
1: roommate actually he's terrified of scooters to this day he like refuses to ride them dude i have a
0: patient right now that was in a scooter accident and he got torn up
1: yeah i'm not surprised or even like the have you seen like the one wheelers like the, oh. the
0: one wheel where you stand on both sides dude i i have a surgery from a one wheel accident that that happened in april of 2020 <laughs> 2020 was not like the year for anybody but uh
1: <laughs> so wait, you had a one wheeler
0: i did have a one wheel like, yeah you got and rid of it
1: yeah so i'm not convinced you got rid le- of it. story time okay. all right
0: Uh, January of 2020. I had a girlfriend of, uh, at that time about four years and I had to put my dog down and she hated my dogs. And I know, and I, I dated somebody that hated your dogs. Thanks dude. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to rub that in, but you really want to get deep down into my, uh, childhood insecurities. (laughs) (laughs) How far are we going?
1: (laughs) As far as you want, man. Oh
0: man. Um, yeah. Yeah. She hated him. And anyway, I had to put my dog down at 14 years and uh, she was 16 years old. Anyway, broke up with her shortly after that. And, you know, of course, breaking up. And especially if you're the one that's doing the breaking up, it's your choice. And like, you're all, did I do the right thing? And, you know, it's a lot of mental anguish. And anyway, I one wheeled one night over like a few blocks away to another friend's house. Alcohol might've been involved came back and I wanted to go faster. And if you know anything about one wheels, basically the wheel is a go, go a go kart wheel, like basically in the middle of a skateboard and it's electric and you lean forward and the wheels trying to catch up with your forward momentum. But if you lean forward enough, it'll like try to kick you back, but it only do that once. This is like you get one warning from the one wheel that you're going you're exceeding the tilt mm-hmm. before you catch an edge if you've ever snowboarded yep. and caught an edge it's not fun and especially on pavement so i was probably going good 25 miles per hour and uh, i will hand it to my rolling skills caught an edge tucked and rolled so i didn't have any blood any scratch on me i just had a very deformed wrist and i threw that in my pocket hopped back on the one wheel. And finished my ride home, came back, and God, anyway, might have tried stretching it. Yeah, it's like trying to feel exactly what did I do. I, in my mind, I'm like, there's no way I broke this. There's no way. And woke up in the morning with a very, very swollen and a deformed hand and was in surgery a couple weeks later. Could you,
1: you you had to have been able to see it. I mean, you had to have seen that your wrist was like
0: cockeyed. Yeah, yeah I did. I just didn't want to believe it. Radial? uh uh ulna and radia radius so it was a um what do you call it i mean a coley's fracture is just the radius i don't know what the both of them is called though it was a it it was it was shattered so i've got a plate and about eight screws in my wrist Hmm. to put it back together
1: i broke my right wrist it was just my radius though mine was snowboarding oh yeah but that'll do it yeah yep try to catch myself after a trick that I was cool. Not cool.
0: I love snowboarding. I've got yeah. my Epic pass. I'm ready to go anyway.
1: All right. So I want to finish this <laughs> sailboat story. Oh yeah. So, so many stories. I know. God. So like this was just a recap for anybody listening to the show right now. You were sailboating because you were on a life crisis essentially. Am I understanding this correctly? Yeah. I had to go find myself in the ocean. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> and so sailing, we're at this point somewhere around Texas from what it sounds like? Because you were going to pick up a buddy or you're going no, all no, the way around we, the southern? We flew, we flew together.
0: We landed together. Um, it was just me and my friend. We took off from Daytona Beach. Within 24 hours of us leaving four different systems failed. So a battery system failed, my autopilot failed. And we knew this because we're hanging out on the bow autopilots working great, these dolphins. And we're just like in awe about these dolphins, like, you know, splashing with us. And then all of a sudden, like we start turning and I was like, what's going on. So re-engaged the autopilot and uh, the autopilot was dead at that point. And then a plumbing issue happened. Uh, and then, The wind indicator went out as well so all these things happened within 24 hours and we pulled into a place called fort pierce florida love it it's a small small marina town made some incredible friends over there man had just such a great time dropped about ten thousand dollars in repairs met a captain captain matt awesome dude he was he's actually ex-military he was in the army and he you know gave me a really good discount on the work that he was doing. I just happened to, he happened to be working on a boat, a few boats down and I had been getting the runaround from these other guys that came and gave me estimates and I just didn't trust any of them. And he seemed like a cool dude. And I was like, dude, I need help. Can you, he was like, yeah, I'll come out. I'll come out tomorrow. (laughs) He's like, all right, let's do it. And so we, anyway, sparked a friendship there. Got everything repaired, slapped a new autopilot in headed to Key West, about four, five hours into it, autopilot failed, pull up into Key West, slap another autopilot on. Garmin's great, by the way. Garmin customer service, whole it's like as good as Amazon or better. Wow. Um, yeah. It's like if Amazon, Starbucks, and Chick-fil-A created a uh, marine electronic division. Wow! Yeah,
1: that's pretty impressive. Yeah have you Have you heard about uh, Zappos customer service? Oh, and Zappos. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. Forcing, you know, yeah, if, yeah. They,
0: if they created a marine right, electronic it. department.
1: Okay. we are um, not sponsored by them for the record. Uh, no, but no, but yeah, buy it. their products. Sure. Got yeah. it. I don't All get a right. cut.
0: <laughs> anyway, so slapped another one on. Had a good, great time. So we actually landed in Key West at the same same time. Fantasy Fest was going on. If you've never heard of Fantasy Fest, it's just basically a city of debauchery up and down Duval Street. Really interesting people. A lot of great people watching going on there. So, of course, we made a lot of friends there and whatnot. Uh, slapped another autopilot on. Headed to Dry Tortugas. And halfway between Key West and Dry Tortuga, which is like the southernmost and most remote national park in the entire U.S., I got a call from my COO saying that my Airstream had been impounded art was stolen. And then we found out it was impounded because I had bought it just before I went sailing and it was parked right in front of my house. And I have some neighbors that are just, you know, not the most pleasant of people. And so they called the police and because, you know, at, in, in times of COVID it takes, you know, months to get a registration for, you know, a new car or RV, they impounded it. So, I found out that I was racking up, you know, X amount of dollars per day that it was an impound. And I was like, all right, we had to turn around. Autopilot failed at that same time. And so we haul us back to Key West and end up just steering the boat, you know, up to Tampa. And that was a really pleasant, that was probably the most pleasant trip because we didn't really have to steer much. If you have the wind right, mm it just keeps its course and it kept its course pretty much all the way from Key West to sunshine skyway. Mm. We rolled up through the sunshine skyway around 2 30 AM and it's just like lit up beautifully, all these different colors, beautiful. And I just remember us just cheering, man, just, <laughs> just screaming from the top of our lungs, you know, it was just so cool. And anyway, my, we flew back, and and the sailboat stayed there until this past May, and flew back, and I got back into business. I wrote a very sincere apology letter to all my employees about you know having taken taking the time to you know just kind of recollect myself and figure out that, you know, where, where's my relevance here? Where's my relevance within my company and organization. And whenever I got back, the relevance just screamed at me. It's like business development, like that's what I do, you know, is business development, figure things out. And it recharged me and I was motivated again. We started picking up again and I got excited about business again.
1: Did they know that you were on your hiatus on a sailboat? Were they reaching yeah. out to you? Do you have cell phone service when you're out on a boat like that?
0: Yeah, I, I had service not all the time, but we were landlocked for a good three weeks of the entire trip.
1: And they knew you were out on this? Did they know why you were on this? My COO, my partner did. Were they concerned about you?
0: No. She, she understood. Now they understood. You know, one thing I think about being in business and, and being a leader people as I think communication is really important and I, not just in business, but just in life in general, be a good communicator, you know, talk about your situation. I think the why is very, very important. You know, if, and, and this goes down to even leading employees, like, Hey, we've got to start filling out this piece of paperwork. And instead of just saying, Hey, do this be like, and here's why. Like this is the process that, you know, the whatever regulatory body is asking us to do. And we want to appease, you know, the powers that be here, whatever it might be, you know, even if it's a lousy reason, you you know, you always come with, why are we doing this? I remember, and I don't know if you've ever, if you have any examples of times in your life where it's like a bunch of hate slinging, slinging at your you know, leaders or or directors or whatever it is, just, they just keep throwing this stuff on us. Like, that's all they're doing. It's like busy work. You know, they're just giving me busy work to do. And it's because they never told you why, why to do it, why, why you have to do it. Like, why are we putting this process in place? And anyway, in business, I think that's important.
1: Oh, it's massive. I mean, as anyone who's even ever worked a job, I guarantee you, you can think of a scenario where you were doing something that you didn't want to do and you thought it was stupid and you thought it was pointless because you didn't know why. Mm -hmm. I can tell you there's many times when I did used to be an employee that I got in trouble because I would push back on things because I didn't even want to figure out why, to be honest. We shouldn't, they shouldn't leave it to you to figure out though. Be
0: like, Hey, right. Here's why we're doing this. Totally. Oh. Well, I still don't want to do it. So (laughs) here's
1: (laughs) a better way. That sounds like a you problem, not a me problem. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you feel like you got out of that experience? Like, what did you come back with and what did you learn from that? Like, what did you, what were you able to bring back, I guess, to business and life and work? And So there's a lot of problem solving that
0: happens when you're underway. You know, weather comes out of nowhere. You've got to, it teaches you that... There's no better time than right now. There's no other time than right now. So you can't just put off reefing the main because you don't reef the main in time because you've got 20, 30 knot winds coming in. You're screwed. Mm. You're ripping it, you know, and then you're stranded somewhere. You can't put off the tasks at hand because it's inconvenient for you at that time. You know, I mean you're going to be rained on. It's going to be coming down and this. Literally, it was a very enlightening experience because it literally rained and came down on me and it metaphorically rained and came down on me, you know, with, with our pandemic processes and and everything that's happened, you know, throughout that time. And I think I still carry a lot of that with me. It's like, if it's going to, if it takes five minutes or less, no matter what I'm doing it right now, you know, but not only that, if it's going to benefit the company one week from now, two weeks from now, and now's a good opportune time. If I have the a moment, I'm going to work towards creating that process. That's going to get us there, hmm. you know? So I've seen our company and, and I'm not going to say it's directly attributed to my sailing experience, but I do feel like there's a sense of urgency with a lot of the stuff we do now that wasn't there before. And that sense of urgency, I think, has gotten me excited. So bringing excitement back into the things that I do and just, you know, when you fill your cup and and you try to invest in in your own frame, everything sends to just like the universe senses that your cup's filled. Mm. And it's like, we want it filled more. (laughs) We're going to make it more full. And you're like, well now that you're making it more full now i can feel other people's you know and it's just such a freaking rewarding experience and that's kind of the trajectory that we've been on ever since i got back in the game is just this upward tra- yeah we've had some some lulls or whatever that we've had to figure out but that's also fun too you know let's put our brain brains together and like figure out how much do we know you know how creative can we get can we pull ourselves out of this slump? What's our, what's the next problem? And that is what excites me the most is all right, what's our problem? Let's, let's find the solution. Let's implement and let's move on.
1: It sounds like it was like the ultimate recharge for you. It's uh, it reminds me of, I do these group trips. We try to do them at least once a year, if not twice a year where I bring together a group of guys, who it's it's usually uh, different people, but the emphasis of the entire trips are really to create that space that we all need. And we don't get in everyday life. It's essentially, we go somewhere generally fairly secluded. Most of us disconnect from technology. We do a lot of meditating and yoga and mindfulness and journaling. And we do exercises to just dive into bigger issues and problems. And we talk about like how we can support each other. And I, I run these pretty regularly for the reason of exactly what you're talking about is that, I can promise you without question, every time we do these, we all come out of them better people with better ideas and new insights and more charged for life and ready to go back to the things, not that we didn't enjoy what we were doing, but you need to intentionally create those times of space. Do you now look forward in your life and do you you plan to do more stuff like that? Do you plan on going sailing again? Do you plan on creating more space? So sailing and I... (laughs) <laughs> we had a, um, you know,
0: it was, it's like an it old was a life. flame that burned really bright, <laughs> but those brightest flames, they burn out pretty quickly too, right? <laughs> but am I looking for the next adventure? Absolutely. You know, um, that is definitely sailing across the Gulf this past May was one of the most enduring times of my life. I mean, I almost, if y'all remember the weather in May it was crazy um and and i'm talking like riding through eight to ten foot seas and i had a guy a different guy this time that was seasick the entire time
1: so i was up about 36 hours so it was the like the movie the perfect storm where like you're just like riding up a giant wall of waves and trying to come over the top of it or what I mean, it felt like a giant wave, but probably nothing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it was more on like, you know, I'm literally harnessed into the, the sailboat and trying to like running up and down with a jack line, like harnessed into a jack line that goes from the bow of the boat to the stern of the boat. And, you know, the basically... The waves trying to kick me off
1: this reminds me of deadliest catch
0: yeah yeah you, honestly that's probably exactly what they're going through except it's not as cold wh- where i was all right that's fair yeah no, they're they're way more manly than i am yeah yeah got it but um you know ultimately i think with my sailing experience i found out that uh, you pretty much have to be a mechanic a plumber electrician everything to own a sailboat you got to know your way around it pretty well. Cause if a system goes down, you're going to be coming into the yard and you know, boat stands for break out another thousand broken or about to, I don't know. It's, it, it's true. I mean, you, you do have to invest a lot if you don't have to know how to, to fix the things like when they need to be fixed, mm. you know, on the fly. So, uh, I had that realization and that's, that's when I was like, all right, I think sailing is, you know, something that. I don't have the time to really learn all these trades and nor do I want to make the time. I want to make the time for my company and and outcomes. So, Uh, but back to, back to what you're saying about, you know, recharging and just kind of like grounding yourself again. Uh, absolutely. You know, I think it's important that we break off and, and, you know, just get another center on what, you know, take a step back and look at the big picture. And that big picture is not just my company. It's not just my employees, but it's like, how is the universe working with me? And how do I have a, a positive flow in it? You know? Um, and I think that's where I've seen the most personal growth Mm. is my ability to just kind of let the flow take me. Totally. You know, I was listening to a podcast recently about how a lot of people that are successful, like, you know, actors getting roles or whatever is, is they don't, they almost mind trick themselves to not want it or not pursue it or whatever it is, because the least they pursue it, the more it comes naturally to them, you it's know, like so it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't, if you don't go chasing the cat, yeah, it's going to come up to you. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah cats are a lot like women too by the way so agree you know and men are like dogs apply that 100, yeah 100 yeah pet me yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right <I> don't <laughs> <worry>. <laughs> yeah but okay go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off but no so. that i mean that about sums it up okay
1: know, just yeah we need those times yeah i have one more question for you before okay. i ask that question where can people find you find out about you support what you're doing connect with you, uh, give people the details. Yeah. So um, you can go to
0: www.outcomespt.com and outcomeshometherapy.com. So our our business model is, is very unique. Um, I like to consider ourselves as being the easy button for pretty much any physician office out there. We do have contracts with over 30 different home health agencies. We have our own in-house mobile outpatient therapy services. So we do Uh, speech, occupational and physical therapy. And then we have our brick and mortar mortar locations. So we have two in San Antonio and two in the Austin area. And uh, I do believe we're about to be getting another, a third one in the Austin area in the coming months as well. So Mm -hmm. North Austin is our newest facility and we are geared towards ortho and neuro. We do speech therapy in there, occupational therapy, uh, hand specialization as well. But Yeah, it's all geared towards quality. And the way that we are hiring and educating our therapists is each therapist is going to be credentialed for dry needling or acupuncture, kind of electro needling. It's more of a marriage between Eastern philosophy of acupuncture and Western philosophy of dry needling. So there are some of those um, acupuncture sites that we might utilize in our treatment that is research-based. Uh, and then of course all the manual therapy, the skills that we, we provide. So we are definitely trying to set ourselves apart in terms of quality of care. And then, you know, we've also talked a little bit about the person that we're hiring has got to be one that is compassionate, you know, that understands the interplay between our energies and the energies that the patients that we're working with to facilitate a nice healing environment. So totally.
1: Yeah, health is so much more than just exercising and eating healthy. And you guys clearly take more of a middle way approach, as the Buddha would say, in terms of trying to take Eastern and Western approaches and bring them together. So we'll put all the information in the show notes so that you guys can get it. Um, One more question for you. Before I ask that question, though, I just want to acknowledge you for opening up about your stories and your travels and your struggles with trying to build a business and trying to support so many people and uh, the struggles of being in a leadership position of so many people and still trying to give the best care possible and also support them in their journeys as well. And I think it's awesome. And I want to acknowledge that. Thanks. And so my final question is, is so let's go back to the beginning days of outcomes therapy, some five plus years ago. If you were to start over, ground zero, you're brand new, maybe you're a new clinician or someone that wants to start a business or just trying to get the ball rolling in the right direction and they're not really sure what to do or what to focus on or like what's the bigger picture, what's maybe the best piece of advice you could give to them to just get them moving in the right direction or what's the big picture they should be focusing on? So be the solution to a problem. You know,
0: I think it's really important to open your eyes and ears to the world around you and there's always a problem out there that you can solve and if you can figure that out and run with it and it's something that strikes you and you're passionate about then people are going to buy in because it's a problem that they need a solution to so you've got to be creative especially right now and in this day and age where there's competition coming out you know all over the place you've just got to find that niche that's underserved and um that you can do better then what's out.
1: I love that. It reminds me of, I just recently heard, find something in your life that sucks. And can you solve that problem? And then I bet you there's more people in your life that have that same sucky problem. 100%. That's what a business is. Yep. Totally. Love it. Appreciate you being on the show, Corey. Hey man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Love it. Before you go, I just want to say thank you for listening to the show and I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you're looking for more advice on how to market your health business or need help with your website, you can find all my information at coreyha.com. Thanks again and keep hustling, my friends.